Welcome to week number one in our brand new series called Christmas. It's complicated, and right off the bat, just want to say Merry Christmas to the whole Valley family, especially our Poughkeepsie campus, Valley family that's gathered there, and uh, we're really, really excited about this series kicking off, and uh, we think there's just going to be a lot of great practical things as we look again at that Christmas story that that becomes sometimes so familiar to us that we lose some of the significance uh, of what's happening, and you know, there's something about this time of year, it's, it's kind of like the most wonderful time of the year, but also it, it, there's all kinds of stress that goes along uh, with Christmas, and uh, every one of us has kind of a complicated Christmas story, I think. Every one of us has gone Griswold at one time or another. And, uh, you know, life is just complicated, and we try to Photoshop that before we post our pictures on Facebook, you know, but, but the fact is all of us have, you know, we've got some of these things at this time of year that are just awkward. We're in these environments, sometimes a party or some sort of gathering or something like that, and we're like, oh, I wish I don't have to do this, but I do have to do this. And the fact is, when it comes to Christmas, there has never been a more complicated Christmas, as much as you're Christmas may be complicated uh, in the past. There's never been a more complicated Christmas than the first one. The first Christmas, the birth of Christ, was the most complicated mess in reality. When you really read it with fresh set of eyes, that God made into an incredible miracle. But but it was really complicated from the get-go. Can you imagine? It all started with a teenage pregnancy. Out of wedlock, Most scholars believe that Mary was 12 or 13 years old when she became pregnant. How how do you think that was at Thanksgiving dinner? You know, all the family's there, and she's like, listen, I know I have a baby, but I just want to tell you, a whole family, I'm actually still a virgin. And by the way, an angel showed up to me and told me, this is the Son of God. That's the reality of what's going on in her life. And she's, she's, uh, she's made to feel ashamed, and she's shunned. And Joseph, who's engaged to her, is about to break the engagement and put her away. In those days, when you broke the engagement, it was actually considered like a divorce, because they were betrothed to one another. And, and, and then, of course, he doesn't do that, and, and the angel appears to him, to Joseph, and says, take, uh, take Mary, and this is the Son of God, raise this child, And then, of course, then the tax time comes, and they have to leave and go to Bethlehem. And Mary is nine months pregnant on the back of a donkey. Listen, just just keeping it real here, right? 100%. My wife's been pregnant three times. I can't imagine when she was nine months pregnant, hey, honey, would you get on the back of a donkey and ride about 75, 80 miles? Are you serious? This, this is so ridiculously complicated. And then Jesus is born not in a hospital, not even at home. He's born in a stable, in a barn. The stable, we look at the, the little away in a manger. Oh, it was a feeding trough. That's literally what the manger is. It's a feeding trough where the animals were slopping and and eating their food. Chances are, think about this, the first smell that baby Jesus ever smelt was probably cow urine. That's the reality. That's that's the story. And and, and we've made it so, you know, uh, clean and and, uh, uh, we've sterilized the story so much. And you know what happens? We lose something that, and we lose something significant about the power of God. 
that just as he reached into a complicated story and made an incredible miracle out of it, that God wants to reach into your life as complicated as it may be right now and as messy as it may be. And God wants to do something incredible. I believe even miraculous. And that's what this this series is really all about. Christmas, it's complicated. The story is complicated, but at the same time, it's incredibly simple. It's a story of God's favor resting upon a young couple, Mary and Joseph. There's a lot that we can learn from that first Christmas that can help us this Christmas because God knows what's right around the corner. I know for our own family, uh, Williamson's, we experienced the most complicated Christmas in our lives as a family last Christmas. When my daughter, Susie and I, our our youngest daughter, Tori CL, and she went in for a routine same-day surgery on December 17th. Was supposed to go in for a few hours, be right out, new ACL, back in recovery. Turned out she had a blood clot, and she was in the hospital for six days. Barely got out in time for Christmas. Missed Christmas Eve, missed all that stuff. Christmas was pretty much pain relief for Sophia. Emergency room, we had to rush her to the emergency room at one point because she also, she doesn't respond to pain relief. Nothing the doctors gave her had any effect on her whatsoever. And so it was the most complicated Christmas of our life. And man, we're gonna celebrate big time this year, no doubt about it. And on Christmas morning, I'm going to make my Sophia dance a jig in front of the whole family. <laughs> but that, that's, that's where we are. It says God reached out, and God did some incredible things in Sophie's life and in our life as a family just 12 months ago. And, and God wants to do incredible things in our lives today as well, as complicated as things might be right now in our lives. And so let's start in Luke chapter 1. This is where the angel appears to Mary, and let's pick up the story, and what I want to talk about is really about favor, this idea of simple favor as we start this series off. It says in Luke chapter 1, verse 26, in the sixth month, the angel Gabriel was sent from God to a city of Galilee named Nazareth to a virgin betrothed to a man whose name was Joseph of the house of David, and the virgin's name was Mary. And it goes on and says, And he came to her and said, watch this now, greetings, O favored one. O favored one. What does that mean? That's what we're going to talk about in our time together. Greetings, O favored one. The Lord is with you. Just just file that in the back of your mind for a couple minutes. Greetings, O favored one. The Lord is with you. But she was greatly troubled at that saying. That troubled her. I'm a favored one? The Lord's with me? That troubled her and tried to discern what sort of greeting this might be. It goes on. It says, And the angel said to her, Do not be afraid, Mary, for you have found favor with God. Everyone say, found favor. Found favor. He said, You found favor. And that's what we're going to talk about. How can you and I find favor? How, how is favor even found? He says, you have found favor with God, and behold, you will conceive in your womb and bear a son, and you shall call his name Jesus. 
So, so first, the angel appears and says, you're the favored one, and, and God is with you, and she's troubled by this. This, this really causes her a, a great deal of anxiety. And, and then he goes on and says, don't be afraid because you have found favor with God. And, and so it begs the question, how do you find favor with God? How does that happen? I, I, I believe uh, when we understand what God's favor really is, rightly understand it, every one of us wants to find favor with God. What was the angel saying when he was saying to her, you are highly favored. You found favor with God. How how does that even happen? How does someone, is it an accident? Does someone just stumble upon God's favor on their life? Or is it actually something that's intentional? Something that's deliberate? Something that you and I can actually tap into and find favor ourselves? How does it happen? Well, in Psalm 84, verse 11, it gives us an idea of this idea of favor and how we can actually find favor in the eyes of God. Look at what it says, Psalm 84, 11. The Lord bestows favor and honor. God is the one who gives favor and honor. Watch this now. No good thing does he withhold from those who walk uprightly. Who is it that finds favor in the eyes of God? Those who walk uprightly. Those who follow the way of God find the favor of God on their lives. Find the blessings of God on their lives. Find the honor of God. God honors those that walk uprightly. See, so many times I think in our lives, we don't think in terms of God's favor. We want fair. And the reality is, we should never want things to be fair. Because the cross is all about the fact that things aren't fair. That, that, that we didn't get what we deserve, that's fairness. We got grace and mercy because Jesus took our place. Because Jesus came in the form of a man. God took on skin and lived a perfect life and died a death that he did not deserve. It wasn't fair what happened to Jesus. But because of his sacrifice and then his resurrection from the dead, you and I find forgiveness. And so we don't want to to look for fair. Fair is complicated. Favor is not. Fair is difficult. Fair is exhausting. And and the fact about the matter is you can look at, in the world we live in, the world is not fair. There is nothing fair in this evil and dangerous world. Nothing fair at all. What we should desire instead is God's favor on our lives. Let me put it this way. One day of favor is better than a lifetime of labor. One day of God's favor is better than a lifetime of labor. When God's favor is on your life. It's amazing what will happen when God's favor is on our lives. Look at all throughout the Bible, men and women just like you, just like me, they found favor in the eyes of God. Take, for instance, Noah. Why did God choose him? Why did God choose him and his family to rescue when the entire world was going to perish? He found favor in the eyes of God. Look at Joseph. Joseph finds himself in a, in a, a prison, falsely accused of a crime he didn't commit. He found favor in the eyes of God. And God promoted him to the right hand of the most powerful man on the face of the earth at the time, Pharaoh. He found favor 
And so one day of favor is better than a lifetime of work and toil when God places his favor on a man or on a woman just like he did with Mary, that young girl. And so a big idea in this message as we're starting this series, Christmas is Complicated, talking about simple favor is this. Let's seek God's favor Let's seek favor from a good God, not fair from a bad world. Let's seek favor from a good God, not fair from a bad world. Well, Greg, what do you mean? I'm not sure, what do you mean a bad world? Hey, let's just, just read the news over the last week. Tell me the world is a good place. Tell me the world is a fair place. I don't think you can make the case, not with any rational train of thought you can. This world is a dangerous place. It's, it's an unfair place. We need to seek favor from a good God, not fair from a bad world. And so I think there's three things when it comes to favor, the posture of a favor finder. Three things that you and I can actually uh, do that we can understand and we can find God's favor on our life. Three things that a favor finder, a posture that favor finders have. Here's the first one. It all has to do with walking uprightly. Just like we read in Psalm 84, walking uprightly means we have an expectancy. Walking uprightly means we have an expectancy. We have an expectation not on what we can do, but we have an expectation of God, that God wants to do something great. God wants to do something incredible through our lives, in our lives, and through our lives to impact those around us. Expectancy is the breeding ground for a miracle. And and maybe you're here today and you say, you know, I'm at the wit's end. I'm at the end of my rope. I don't know how I'm going to make it. I don't know how. I I can't even see myself all the way through the new year. How is it even going to look? How am I going to make ends meet? How are we as a family going to get through this, this challenge that we're facing? Maybe you need supernatural help. What you need is the favor of God. You need God's favor upon your life and 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 favor uh, the expectation as we walk uprightly the expect expectancy that we have on god is the opposite of hype it's not trying to drum something up like this is what god's gonna do this for me i'm gonna i need this you i'm i'm god's mighty man of faith and power for the hour if i name him if i name it and claim it he'll give it to me that that's not that's foolishness that's not favor that, that's, that's not for the favor of God. Mary didn't name and claim anything, and she gave birth to the Son of God. She found favor in the eyes of God. Why? Because she walked uprightly. Just like all the other men and women that found favor in the eyes of God. Just like you and just like me, that we can find favor in the eyes of God. It's the opposite of hype. You know what expectancy is? Hope real hope, that no matter what the circumstances, my hope is in God. And I may not be able to see through to New Year's, but I'm gonna trust God and he'll see me through, no matter how big this storm is that I'm facing. Walking uprightly means we have an expectancy. Here's the second thing about walking uprightly, the posture of a favor finder. Walking uprightly means that we have an eye on others those that find favor with God they're not thinking about themselves and their own problems and predicaments 
They have their eyes on others and how they can help someone else. Doesn't matter how bad it is for you right now, you can find someone who's got it worse and help them and lift them and lift them. Walking uprightly means that we have an eye toward us. Look for those who you can serve, especially during this time of the year when there are great, great needs. Look for those that you can serve, that you can help to lighten their load. You can lift them. You can encourage them. You can give them a shot in the arm. And get your eyes off of your circumstances. Walking uprightly means that we have an eye to help in others. And here's the third posture of those who find favor. Walking uprightly means that we're steady and ready. Steady and ready. Walking uprightly. The word uh, uh, uprightly in Hebrew actually means uh, centered gravity. That we're centered, that we're stable, steady and ready. I remember when I was in high school, there was a song that came out, and it was like my anthem song, because I, I you know, went to public high school here locally, and man, it was hard being a Christian. I remember this song came out, and uh, it, it was by that great uh, Christian singer, Bob Seger, in the Silver Bullet Band, <laughs> Like a Rock. I was strong as I could be, like a rock. Nothing ever got to me like a rock. I was something to see like a rock. And I stood arrow straight, unencumbered by the weight of all these hustlers and their schemes. I stood proud, I stood tall, high above it all. I still believed in my dreams. And I would play that song, and I'd say, God, let me to be like a rock for you. Steady and ready. Let me be stable. Let let me show the folks that are watching me there's something different about Greg's life. Steady and ready. Did you know the word favor is only found 88 times in the Bible? You, You think this is something that God's trying to make a point about? 88 times in the Bible the word favor occurs. It's like God's trying to make a big deal about it. Do you want fairness from a bad world or do you want favor from a good God? And and so many times, we're not quite sure what favor means. We think favor means preferential treatment. That's not what favor means. Or or sometimes we think favor, favor means favoritism, that God's gonna do me a favor. God's gonna do me a solid. That, that, that's not really what God, that's not the favor of God. That's not really what it actually means. There's a big difference between favors from God and favor with God. And the angel told Mary, you found favor with God. Not that God's gonna do you a favor. He said you found favor with God. Probably the clearest place that we can really begin to peel back what is this favor of God all about. And again, uh, I was studying for this and talking over this message with my wife, Susie, and she said, hey, you gonna talk about that verse? You gonna talk about that verse? And I was like, baby, there's 88 verses in the Bible that talk about this. Uh, there's no way I can fit this into one message. And, and so I encourage you, do a little study of your own. Look up those verses in the Bible that talk about favor. One of the clearest understandings that we can get of this idea of God's favor resting upon someone is God's favor with 
Moses and really explains what God's favor is all about. In Exodus chapter 33, God spoke to Moses who had been a prince of Egypt and then he killed an Egyptian when he found out that he was really not Egyptian at all. He was a Jew, he was a Hebrew and he ran him for, for uh, 40 years, decades. He's a shepherd on the backside of the desert and then God appears to him and speaks to him from a burning bush and tells him, I want you to go back and you're gonna, I'm gonna use you to deliver my people out of bondage. And we pick up the story, Exodus 33 here, it's pretty interesting, this particular place where we jump in on the story of Moses. In Exodus 33, verse 12, it's Moses said to the Lord, see you say to me, bring up this people, but you have not let me know whom you will send with me. Yet you have said, I know you by name. He's quoting back to God what God has said to him. You said to me, I know you by name. You've also you have also found favor in my sight. God said to Moses, you found favor in my sight. And God's like, and Moses is saying, how is this gonna happen? What does that even mean, I found favor in your sight? And he goes on and he says, now therefore if I have, there it is again, found favor, if, if I stumbled upon this, if I found favor in your sight, please show me your ways, don't miss this. He says, if, if I've found favor in your sight, show me the way you want me to live. Walking uprightly. Show me your ways that I may know you in order to find favor in your sight. Consider too, this nation is your people. He says, this is your responsibility, it's not mine. I'll do what you want me to, but this is, this is on you, God. And he goes on, he says, and he said, this is God. Now listen, don't miss this connection between God's favor, finding God's favor. What is it all about? God answers Moses and says, my presence will go with you. That's what God's favor is all about, his presence in our life that his presence is with us. My presence will go with you, and here's the other thing, I'll give you rest. I'll give you rest. Those who find favor with God, there's rest. Doesn't mean don't, don't do anything, but God makes a way where it seems like there is no way. And he said to him, if your, Moses replies, if your presence will not go with me, do not bring us up from here. Moses says, I don't want to do anything if your presence is not with me. I, I, I'm not going to make a move unless your presence is with me. And then he goes on and says, <clears throat> For how shall it be known that I have found favor in your sight, I and your people? Is it not, don't miss this, in your going with us? Moses understood God's favor upon his life was found by God's presence continually in his life. Not just two hours a week when he walked into church, but that he lived his life continually in the presence of God. That's what God's favor is all about. Moses says, God, I'll go anywhere you want me to go. I'll do anything that you want me to do so long as your presence goes with me. Moses understood 
and valued the presence of God present with him in his life. And you know what? I know it may sound a little like a pun or a little corny. I think this Christmas, God wants to give you a presence. He's got a presence for you. He's got presence for me. He wants to be with us in everything that we say and everything that we do, that we'd walk uprightly. Just like Moses said, show me your way, Lord. Show me your way. Let me put it this way. Favor is the place where we feel God's presence and are given God's power to accomplish God's purpose in my life. That's favor. Favor is the place where we feel God's presence and are given God's power to accomplish God's purpose in our lives. We talk a lot about purpose here at Valley Christian Church and and discovering our purpose. And every one of us, God has a purpose for us. But before we can really discover our purpose, we we need to discover God's power in our life. And even before that, we, we need to experience God's presence in our life. Because we'll never have the power to fulfill our purpose if we have never experienced and don't walk in God's presence. That's what the favor of God is really all about. And when we experience and we value God's presence in our life, he said, you'll find rest. It doesn't mean that you stop doing anything. What it means is there's not a striving And I think that striving so many times is in our own, internally in our own hearts because God's favor is upon our lives. Let me put it this way. Purpose flows from favor. Purpose flows from favor. When we experience God's presence in our life and his favor upon our lives, you know what? We discover our purpose. Our purpose. When I was a little boy, the day we were moving from Brunswick, Georgia as a family, being relocated up to some God-forsaken place called Hopewell Junction, New York, (laughs) through a series of circumstances, I've told the story before, I won't do it in great detail tonight, but I felt like God spoke to me as a little boy. And you know what? Do you know what he said? He didn't say, I want you to be a preacher. He didn't even say, I want you to be a Christian. He didn't say, I want you to be salt. I want you to be light. I want you to be an example. He didn't say any of those things. You know what I felt like as a little boy God spoke to me? He said, Greg, I want you for my own. That's it. I want you to be mine. That's it. And throughout my life, I've discovered my purpose that he had, what he wanted me to do, as long as I've stayed close to what he wanted me to be. And what he wanted me to be was his. His presence in my life. Purpose flows from favor. We do not find our purpose, we find God's favor. And within his favor, he gives us our purpose. 
so many times I talk to, to, to followers of Christ and Christians are like, well, you know what, I don't have this blessed life. I, you know, God hadn't really blessed me. And, and what I tell them is, really, you know, it's not that God hasn't blessed you, it's that you don't know who you are. You don't know what your identity is because of Jesus Christ. You, you don't know who God wants you to be, what he's already done for you. He has blessed you. In Ephesians chapter one, verses three, three and four, it says, blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who, look at this, has blessed us in Christ. God's already blessed every one of us. He blessed us in Christ with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places. How about that? See, it's, it's not a problem of we don't, we don't uh, we're not blessed, is that we don't know who we are. We don't know who God's created us to be. And that's only discovered in his presence. And it goes on and it says in Ephesians, even as he chose us in him before the foundation of the world, before he created the cosmos, he chose you. He chose me. That we should be holy, upright, blameless, upright, before him in love. God's blessed every single one of us, and we need to understand who we are, who, we, who he's created us to be, and it's so very important. Identity comes before activity. When we're talking about the favor of God, identity, understanding who we are because of Jesus Christ comes before activity. See, the question is not, what does God want me to do? That's the wrong question. The question of life is not really, what does God want me to do? That's not the right question. The big question of life is this, who does God want me to be? What is the identity that God has given to me? Not what does he want me to do. What he wants me to do flows out of who he wants me to be. That's the big question. And God has really big plans. By virtue of the fact that you're still living and your heart's still beating, God's got more for you to do. There is no retirement when it comes to the Christian life. I love Jeremiah 29, verse 11. It says, for I know the plans that I have for you, declares the Lord. Plans for welfare and not for evil to give you a future and a hope. I got plans for you. That's why your heart's still beating. That's why you're still breathing. Because God's got plans for you and for me. Ephesians chapter two, verse 10 puts it this way. We are his workmanship, his craftsmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared when? Beforehand that we should walk in them. Again, you hear this idea of the way that we walk, walking uprightly. The question is not, what does God want me to do? The big question, the first question is, who does God want me to be? Who does God want you to be? And so just bringing this whole idea of simple favor, walking uprightly, God's presence, and really putting a value on God's presence in our life. That's where Moses says, show me your way. I'll walk in that. Show me the way to live. I'll do that because your presence is more valuable to me than anything else. And so when we talk about God's presence, I think there are really three excuses not to be a favor finder. The 
Three, three different excuses that we come up with, that people come up with that kind of like try to get themselves off the hook. Like, well, you know, it's, no. God couldn't use me in a big way. God couldn't work through my life. God couldn't cause me to be someone that he wanted to do something incredible through. The first one is this. I'm too young. I'm too young. I'm just a kid. Got to grow up. Mary was 12. Mary was 12. Timothy. Two books in the New Testament are written addressed to Timothy, a young pastor. He was 30. I was 24 when I became the senior pastor of this church. Too young? God says, that's no excuse. That's no excuse at all. Remember Mary's response to the angel, Luke chapter 1, verse 38? This is what Mary said in response to the angel telling her, this is what God's gonna do in your life. I am the Lord's servant. Let it be to me as you have spoken. Total cooperation. God, whatever it is you wanna do, I fully cooperate. Do you know what the Bible word for cooperation is? Obedience. Cooperating with God. I'm gonna obey. Show me your way. Show me what you want me to do, and I'm gonna do it. I'm gonna follow through with it all. That's a big excuse for young people. I'm telling you, just, just don't... Don't use that as an excuse anymore. There's too many examples in the Bible of God using young men, young women. Here's a second excuse, not be a favor finder. I'm too old. I'm too old. I mean, I, I've, I've done my time. I, 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 did the, I did the Christian thing, you know. Now I just wanna, just wanna relax. I'm too old. Great example of God using some real old folks Abraham and Sarah couldn't have kids. They're almost 100 years old. But God said, you're going to have a child. And it's really creepy to think about, but they did. <laughs> and he became the father of our faith. Oh, 100 years old. I'm too old. That was, that was, read it. Read it there. That was, that was Abraham's excuse. I'm too old. That train's left the station, God. No. You're going to have a son. That's not a good excuse. Not too young, not too old. But here's the third excuse, and I think this probably, if, if our excuse for not being a, a favor finder is not that, if it's not I'm too young, if it's not I'm too old, maybe it's this third excuse that even as I've been going through this message, we've been talking about this in your mind, this excuse has been popping up. I'm too broken. My life is not whole. You, you don't know, Greg, the stuff I've done, the time I've wasted, the mistakes I've made, the decisions that I've made. Well, again, we go back to the Bible, don't we? There's a guy in the Old Testament. You may have heard the story. His name was Samson. Samson was one of the great judges in the book of Judge that God used, really, to deliver the nation. And this boy had some issues. He, he had some issues with uh, sexual addiction. And God used him in the midst of all that. 
even when he had some real major flaws in his life, God still used him. So much so, check it out in the New Testament in Hebrews. In the chapter in Hebrews that's referred to, I believe it's Hebrews 11, as the hall of faith. Old Samson's in there, in the New Testament. As an example, that God says, this, this is like the hall of fame of those who have had faith in me. Samson. So what are you getting at, Greg, in this, this message? Simple favor. God wants each of us to find favor in his eyes. We're not, we're not talking here about salvation or not. How, however, what we're talking about, finding favor in God's eyes, it does start with receiving Christ. You can't find favor in the eyes of God until you receive his son, our savior, God himself, Jesus Christ. That's what Christmas is all about. That's why we celebrate because God became flesh, Jesus Christ, and he dwelt among us, the Bible says, and he paid the price on the cross for your sins and my sins, and he rose again from the dead. That's how we know it was paid in full. That's the starting point. That's just the sounding gun, and they're off. Finding favor is walking in the way of God. Living life, not on the way I want to live it, but not on my terms, but the way he wants me to live it. And that God's presence would be always with us in our life. And it's amazing the opportunity that God brings to a man or to a woman that walks in his ways. Like Mary, like Joseph, like Moses, like Abraham, like Noah, like even Samson. You're not too young, you're not too old, you haven't blown it so bad that God doesn't still wanna bring about his purpose in your life, and he can do it today. If we just surrender our lives and say, God, whatever you ask, whatever you want, I wanna walk in your way and find favor in your eyes. I'm gonna ask, would you bow your heads with me right now, let's pray. Heavenly Father, Lord, as we're at the start really of this uh, series and this Christmas season, Lord, we, do, we recognize that Christmas can get complicated and it can get complicated in a hurry. And Father, you and you alone know what's in the weeks, months ahead. Father, right now, we pray that we would find favor, each and every one of us, in your eyes. Lord, that we're not too young, we're not too old, we're not too broken to find favor and to walk in your ways and to really discover our purpose as we put a premium on your presence in our lives and that we receive your power to accomplish your purpose in our life. Recognizing that purpose flows from favor that really your favor is greater than talent or ability when you place your favor on a man or on a woman. God, may we find favor in this Christmas season as we walk in your way and remember and celebrate the birth of your son, our savior, Jesus Christ. In his name we pray, amen.